Welcome everyone, this is Andrew Heath from JD Power and our utility practice. Uh, delighted to welcome you to the third of our ongoing series of podcasts. Uh, pleased to be uh, joined by two of my colleagues from our utility practice, Adrian Chung uh, and Carl Lepper. And we were going to share with you um, some of the insights uh, that we've uh, found in the last few months uh, since our last podcast. We uh, actually have published a couple of studies and both Carl and Adrian are progressing and finding out uh, insights regarding topics like electric vehicles, time of use changes out in California, plus some of the updates regarding our business and residential electric studies. So as I mentioned just a moment ago, uh, we've published a couple of studies uh, in the last few months. Uh, first one was our utility digital evaluation study, and then also our residential drinking water study. So of those first ones, I thought what would be interesting is that the UDES study, we're always looking for what's changing in the industry. Um, one of the big things that emerged as we looked at the feedback from customers this year was the change regarding how apps are impacting the customer's experience. So just in simple numbers, of the 67 utilities that we survey in our digital evaluation study, 29 of those now have apps, so clearly this is something that is growing in terms of adoption across our industry. And then better yet, the good thing that we found when we asked customers about satisfaction level for those apps is it used to be the apps were kind of second ranked, uh, a little behind mobile, but ahead of desktop. They've now leapt ahead, uh, by far and away the most satisfying experience that customers get when interacting with their utility through a digital channel is using one of these apps. So for those who've already implemented them, I think it's a, a testament to the great work that's been done. And obviously I think there may be a lesson there for those who are thinking about it. We know a lot of our utility uh, organizations we work with are already actually planning or getting ready to launch apps. So the good news is, based on what's been happening to the uh, customers so far, they, they're liking what's going on. So it's always going to be exciting to see what then happens and see where we get to in 12 months' time. So that'll be a, a good thing to go and see. I mentioned just a moment ago about electric vehicles. So Adrian Chung, you've got um, some of the work going on right now that we're looking at in terms of what's happening with electric vehicles. Do you want to provide us an update, Adrian? Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Andrew. I mean, really and truly, there's so much out there, so much talk about electric vehicles, obviously. Um, you know, we're lucky to have within JD Power, obviously, a huge auto practice and uh, some of the forecasting data that's come out of uh, out of that group, as well as, you know, you can find across many uh, other pundits out there. Uh, you know, today or in 2018, uh, we seeing approximately 5 million hybrids and uh, electric vehicles on the road. Uh, less than 10% of those are actual uh, electric vehicles or full EVs. Um, that's going to grow, uh, at least as predicted or, or uh, predicted to grow to nearly uh, 30 million coming to 2025. So obviously that's a ways out. But, uh, you know, interesting enough, like I said, less than 10 percent EVs in, in 2018. Uh, when we move to that time frame, we're looking at 25 to 30 percent EVs. So that's, that's a, huge in itself. That's a big yeah. change. If you, I mean, have we got insights regarding what that then means for utilities as they prepare for that increase? Yeah, certainly. I mean, so that's that's the big challenge and opportunity, obviously. Right. I mean, the, the load demand is going to increase significantly. 
Um, I've read some stats that uh, that's going to grow tenfold just in California alone. Um, and, you know, the interesting thing to think about it on top of that is you know, the, the numbers that I'm quoting are mainly around passenger vehicles. doesn't really consider the, the broader electrification of, of transportation in, in general, so railways, uh, buses, and, and so forth. So there's a lot, uh, at least, you know, that's intended and predicted to, to change over this, uh, you know, horizon. Um, and then, you know, again, like I said, for, for utilities, you know, obviously they're going to be at the heart of, of all of this. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. As a, as a resident of California, um, I know it's not typical across the nation, but I mean, the number of, for example, Teslas driving around is, it, it, mm-hmm. it's just a normal car. It's, it's, it's really changing the way you, you see these things. Yeah, and that said, I mean, you know, it's interesting on the consumer side. Uh, some of the research that we had done back in, in 2011, just within this group, um, actually hasn't changed to, if we look forward to about, uh, well, to, to 2018. So we were asking customers uh, just generally, would you consider a, a plug-in hybrid uh, or electric full electric vehicle for their next, vehicle, next car? Um, those stats, like I said, haven't changed. Roughly about 30% would say they probably or definitely would consider. Uh, it's, it's slightly lower for, for full electric vehicles. Um, and the, the main concerns concerns continue to to reign so driving range uh you know the purchase price and and as well availability of charging stations um that still remains the main concerns that customers have in terms of making that switch um you know we're certainly seeing the industry is seeing improvements um with respect to technology obviously you have fast charging uh technology now which you know also was a, a hurdle or an obstacle for for customers, um, but on the you know also on the um, uh, OEM side, falling battery prices obviously helping with with price point, uh, and obviously as you said, you know Tesla is not you know obviously not the sole manufacturer. Um, you know every car company out there has something uh, within their their portfolio now, and you have also many um, manufacturers looking at even a full fleet. Um, you know those who are more traditional. Uh, whether it's, uh, you know, both on the European, uh, Japanese or, or domestic sides. Um, so you know, those future goals obviously are, you know, changing. Uh, yeah, and it's interesting just observing how utilities are responding. I know that, you know, Southern California Edison is one example. That's the, the, the role of EVs is certainly a huge part of how they see themselves transforming over the next, not even that long, next four or five years. And I remember we heard from the team at Cobb EMC, they've got very um, aggressive rates. I mean, you can actually charge your EV for no cost, um, at, out of hours, based on their desire to encourage the adoption of electric vehicles. So there's a, there's a lot of varying practices out there that are interesting to watch. And, and yeah, thoughts, it's interesting. Yeah, sorry. What, any thoughts about what it means for satisfaction going forward? Yeah, a couple, well, a couple of things to think about. So just to touch on your point, yeah, Cobb EMC, uh, obviously unique in, in their offering. Certainly we're not seeing as many, um, as progressive, uh, I guess I would say in terms of utilities as, as progressive as they have been. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think as I've, I've researched and looked at, uh, you know, some of the utilities out there, it seems as though, um, you have kind of three different groups. Uh, there's many of those early adopters, uh, or sorry, the least, but uh, early adopters like Cobb EMC, um, who are 
you know, have EVs on site. Uh, they have charging stations on site. They're working directly with the manufacturers, offering test drives, rebates, uh, and obviously, you know, the big one, discounted rates, whether it's, you know, free, like you said, or, you know, very uh, strong overnight uh, rates, uh, heavily discounted for, for customers with, with EVs. Um, there's many kind of in that middle bucket, right? They're, um, you know, in the process of developing a strategy, but really haven't figured out, you know, what's going to be the, the full potential, what's going to be the ROI to, to the utility, um, and, and working through those, those motions. And then lastly, you probably have a lot who are probably more than you'd expect in that uh, kind of wait and see what happens bucket. And, you know, obviously, you know, there are potential risks around, you know, as I said, you know, having that capacity available when uh, these, these vehicles come on stream and, and become more of the mainstream, um, you know, transportation methodology um, and having to build that out, uh, you know, when it's when it's too late to kind of catch up and, and meet that demand. So. Um, you know, obviously, utilities have to make their choices uh, at this point, but uh, still early days in some ways. Uh, others, obviously, being more opportunistic about it. Yeah, I, I, uh, remember, I think it's one of the examples I, I heard of that the, the, one of the utilities down in New Zealand. Who you could almost say their strategy was that you know we won't we won't be a provider of kilowatt hours in the future. We'll be a provider of transportation. So that's a very different mindset regarding how you might do that. Thanks, Adrian. So I know we've got a white paper coming out on that, so I look forward to being able to see that. One of the other white papers, Carl, um, is the work we're doing on time of use, and especially the changes that are happening in California right now. So, Carl, if you, have you got some thoughts about what we're seeing and what the implications could be? Absolutely, Andrew. Yeah, it's 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 been exciting to kind of look at the thought leadership of what's happening that is currently being being implemented mandated time of use rate. And the interesting thing is this this is coming from really this this whole thing instigated in 2001 with the with the issues that California had with brownouts and outages and it's all kind of coming to fruition with this time of use rate. So many pieces of the puzzle had to be laid into place such as AMI meters or smart meters. And now we're at this place where we can really reward people and we can really start to train people to use their electricity more wisely and, and really use it during the times of day when it'll be less expensive. So this is really a cultural change if, if you look at it that way. The problem is the process of how do you get to it being that cultural change within the state. And kind of like the EVs, we talked about how they're heavily used right now. When you charge them, is going to be a big deal. It's going to really make an effect on your overall rates. And it, what it comes down to and what I've really found in observing and looking and studying this is the effect of choice is really evident. When you take away the choice that you're giving Californians to choose what they want to pay and how they want to pay it with their rate option, they're going to instantly be skeptical. They're going to be they're going to in our satisfaction scores, they're going to be not very happy about it. They are willing to pay more for green-based rates. They are willing to pay more for time-based rates as long as they chose those things. So that's kind of the key ingredient. So there's four utilities that are really being affected on this. Three of these are being affected um, because they're being told to by the Public Utility Commission of California. The first one is San Diego Gas and Electric. The second one is PG&E. And the third one is Southern California Edison. 
So those three are being being pretty much asked, mandated, told, however you want to put it, to move to this new rate within the next year. And some of them have already even started. One has chosen to go to this new rate, which is SMUD, which is Sacramento Municipality Utility District. And SMUD, because they've chosen to do this, they've taken a great approach and they've done a lot of communicating. And in the data, what we're seeing is that heavy communication from the utility to explain what's happening, why it's happening, how it affects you, how it can be handled. That piece of communication has made a world of difference and satisfaction for those that we've already captured in our study that are on this new rate. Is there rate more? Right now, the answer is no. The rate is the same as the general rate plan in the people who have already said they're on this new time of rate use. So it's really around this communication skill that SMUD has done an outstanding job of and just that transition of to this new rate. So that's kind of what I've learned so far, Andrew, and what I think are kind of the fun parts of this thought leadership piece. Yeah, it's interesting because, as you said, it's um – it's it's basically become the default right. Uh, it, it's 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 mandated in the sense that everyone will default to it. Customers can still choose to go back. Um, but you're right. It's going to be fascinating making sure that we follow what happens on satisfaction as we see this change take place. Because as you said, Carl, the general findings typically are that when customers have choice, satisfaction increases. Uh, when they don't have choice, and that might be how they perceive this then satisfaction um, isn't going to improve. In fact, if it's not done effectively, it, it may even decline. So it's going to be a key area for us to keep an eye on. So great. Thank you for that, Carl. Um, both of you, Carl, Adrian, you, you, you both um, help lead the work we do on our electric studies, both our business and residential study. Um, I know we've been doing some work recently with the industry about learning more about how we can continue to improve those studies. I don't know if you would mind sharing some of the updates. Maybe, Adrian, just some of the thoughts regarding where we are moving with our business study. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, we're always, you know, continuously want to evolve our studies and, and make sure we're delivering against the, our, our clients' needs. Uh, with the business study in particular, uh, you know, just highlight, I mean, we released that earlier um, or late, late in the year, um, 2018. Um, some of the key findings that we had this year were around convenience, uh, certainly making it easier uh, through, through having a digital presence for, for account management. Um, you know, customers are looking for community commitment for, um, from their utility. Um, that goes without saying in terms of the visibility. Um, and their commitment to economic development. And then products and services probably continues to play a, a big role in terms of time of use, as Carl just spoke about, uh, and energy monitoring tools as well. Uh, looking ahead, I think something that uh, we've heard loud and clear, and we will continue to um, reach out to our, our clients as we vet into vet uh, some of these topics for um, you know making some changes go forward, is a heavy focus on the you know dedicated dedicated account reps. Uh, maybe taking some of the learnings from our our, our newer key account study, uh, and I expect and, and see relationship management being a major focus. So getting a, a clearer picture and better understanding of uh, how customers, uh, how utilities are, are a partner uh, and extension to to their small businesses, 
um, you know, how they're meeting expectations and, and really understanding the challenges that they're, they're faced with. So uh, connecting the dots there. Um, and as I said, you know, our key accounts, learnings, probably, you know, certainly in, in more in the enterprise and industrial space, but, you know, things like joint planning were some of the highlights uh, that, uh, you know, we're capturing that and has a strong uh, impact on satisfaction to the extent that uh, that can be uh, leveraged down at, you know, the smaller uh, business level. And I think we're starting to see some successful organizations uh, moving that way, offering a little bit concierge, maybe like services uh, to a broader uh, grouping of their portfolio. So obviously, these are very uh, important customers uh, in terms of, you know, the high revenue potential versus uh, residential. Um, so, you know, we want to make sure that we're, we're hitting the mark on, in terms of what we're capturing with them. Yeah, it's certainly good that we've got coverage across all of the primary segments now. You know, small, mid-sized business, residential, we've had for a long time, but having the key accounts in there, as you said, that's, you know, and it's good to see how those insights are then allowing us to think through how we can get better um, insights to then share with the small, mid-sized business sector as well. So, yeah, thanks, Adrian. Carl, any updates on the electric residential? I know we've got a lot going on, maybe some of the highlights. Absolutely. Um, I have the privilege to have been working with an advisory board over the last, I'd say, four to six months, really going through the entire study top to bottom and getting just the input from our clients. And part of what we learned and what we're working on in this kind of redesign of this big study is the customer service section. So the new section, we're going to call it customer care. And part of the goal of this new section and what I really think is going to be a advantageous to everyone is is the journey mapping of a customer that's trying to contact their utility in some way shape or form right now we capture it quite a few ways but we what i feel is missing is maybe the tail end piece so what we're doing is if you first contact resolution is a very important piece of the puzzle and now what we're going to do is if it took more than one contact well what did you do before that what what led you to calling them or what led you to going to the website if it took more than one time one contact to actually resolve your problem and then we're capturing more verbatims and that was something else that the advisory board really wanted to see is you know it's it's kind of a minute group and there are every very specific reasons why they called or contacted in some way shape or form and a verbatim really kind of tells the whole story instantaneously. No amount of questions sometimes can get to every exactly why that person called. So we've added some verbatims, and really is, it's going to allow us to really look at the journey and see if there is an area within that, that contact or that situation where it, it failed, and therefore they had to do something else. Maybe the website didn't have the information. Maybe the chat feature wasn't working. Maybe, you know, the telephone call, you didn't get to the right person on the day you needed to, or you had to call back for some reason. So I'm really excited to see that into this study. And in developing this, I also got the chance to work with Mark Miller, who is, is our call center expert. I also got to work with John Sundberg, who is our, um, as you talked about earlier, Andrew, our digital study expert, and try to get their input as to how how that journey works, and I, I feel we're getting a really good product kind of get ready for us in 2020. Good to hear. Thanks, Carl. So I promised um, as we opened up, I, I mentioned that we've got a couple of studies that uh, we've published since we did our last podcast. The Utility Digital Evaluation Study was the one I mentioned earlier. 
Um, second one is our water study. Uh, just came out actually a few weeks ago. So one of the fascinating things that we're seeing there, I mean, that there are some really good things happening. There's across the nation we're seeing improvements in uh, the number of people that say they've got good quality water and don't have any problems. But one of the really fascinating things, I think that's relevant for everyone across all utilities, electric, natural gas and water, is um, one of the things the water companies can do is let people know if there's a potential leak. So for anyone who's got a water uh, meter that then has capabilities, automated metering that allows reads to be taken regularly, uh, there, are, there are some, not many, but there are some water utilities who now are sending out alerts saying, hey, it looks like you're using more water than usual, and based on that, uh, it's possible there might be a problem with your system. Um, and what's, what we're seeing from customers is a, a nice, strong uplift on satisfaction when they receive that service, or even if they just sign up for it, knowing that their water utility is looking out for them. So with that, um, thank you to both Carl and Adrian for your time today on the podcast. I look forward to rejoining everyone again on our fourth podcast. Bye for now.